Yes. You are now listening to the sound of Sports Reports is ordered. So, yo, thanks for joining us live. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for the YouTube. We need you to keep liking, subscribing, all that stuff. It's free. Share it with your grandma. And check me out real quick. That's my, we just hired Dan Quinn face. <laughs> Jeez. Tonight, the winner is <laughs> Mr. Logical Speech. Sports reports is ordered. First annual end of season NFL awards. Exactly. Then, of course, we're going to take you around the association because there's some things going on in the basketball world. And then we're going to probably get into a little bit of Eric the Enemy, maybe. And here we are again. The closing thought should be interesting. Yeah. Nice back and forth between me and Mr. 2-5. But guys, Sports Reports is ordered. Just had our one-year anniversary the other day. Yo, 365, we made it. Thank y'all yeah. for watching and tuning in. Thank you for the support and love. So, here we go. We usually like to start off the show, for those of you that are new, with a little something called Get It Off My Chest. What that entails is we take something from the sports world that has piqued our interest, if you will, and then we talk about it for a few minutes just on some, yo, this is bothering me, or I like this, whatever it may be. Exactly, so, exactly. I'm going to get us started real quick because I like what Mr. Logical has in store for us and get it off my chest. But my get it off my chest is actually a reminder for you all out there. Because I woke up this morning. I looked at the calendar. It said February 1st. And, you know, by the time we got to kindergarten and all that, we knew that following February is March. The madness is here. So why is the madness here? Because in two days, we got Duke against North Carolina. Top 10 matchup as it should be. Kentucky against Tennessee. Is Gonzaga's reign of terror over? They lost to Santa Clara this year for the first time since 2011. And now they got St. Mary's. So if they lose this game to St. Mary's in the kennel on Saturday, they fall two games out of first place. Is the reign of terror over? We got the national champions, defending national champions, number one, the Yukon Huskies. You know, we got Florida Atlantic and, and San Diego State. Still winning games, but San Diego State's not even in first place in their conference. And Mr. Logical spent all last March Madness talking about how we don't know none of these players. We watching the NBA draft. Where are they? But hey, watch it's North tough, Carolina. Watch North Carolina. They got R.J. Davis, who's back. He's going to be in the National Player of the Year conversation. So that'll be a player that you know. You know what I'm saying? But ladies and gentlemen, the madness is coming. And for me, the madness is already here. That's all I got. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. He's talking about college basketball. We like to build our 
are blocked, so we kind of transition naturally. So it does this kind of works in our favor. If you tune in the NFL Network right now, you have the East West Shrine Bowl. It's going to be filled with a lot of young athletes, football players trying to make their way to the NFL. They want to show you their skills. They want to show you their speed, shuttle run, the 40, the jumping ability, the catching ability, the blocking ability, tackle ability, ability to read the defense, ability to read the room, their interviews. They want to showcase, you know, two, three, four years, whatever amount of, you know, amount of film they put on that they can show all these NFL scouts, coaches, GMs, owners, so forth and so on. So with that being said, stop asking these black players about their terrible upbringings if they had one. That is not the key. I don't want to know how he felt about growing up in foster care. I want to know how good does he feel about himself being a football player and what asset can he be to a football team. I don't want to hear about, oh, what was your relationship like with your mother was she on drugs? And if she was on drugs, I don't want that to be the, the focal point of the draft pros and cons or something interesting about this young man. He grew up with his grandmother because his mother was in prison and his dad was shot in a drive-by. That sounds outrageous, but it happens every single year. I understand that struggle makes us tougher. I understand that steel sharpens steel, iron sharpens iron. But if I'm interviewing you, I want to know about how you feel about football. How'd you enjoy your time at Auburn? How'd you learn from this, the senior quarterback that was ahead of you when you were a freshman, when you got to Ohio state, I want to know what running back coach had the most impact on you. I want to know if the strength conditioning coach helped you hit your personal record in the squad. That's what I want to know about you. I don't want to know about the fact that your brother was shot in a drive by and East Palo Alto. I don't want to know that, you know, your sister is you live with her when you were trying to get a juco. Like all that is great. Was your mom a hooker? I don't want to hear if your mom was a hooker because let's keep it a bean. Trent Dilfer got drafted. He had 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions this this year that he got drafted. I don't think they asked him if his uncle was abusive or not. I didn't hear about whatever was going on in Trevor Lawrence's family. I don't know because I'm pretty sure everybody got a bad egg. Everybody got a bad seed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's. I don't know what happened in Baker Mayfield's family. Johnny Manziel was out in college acting a fool. They didn't ask him anything about that. They would expect him to go number one overall. So stop asking the guy. I get it. Yeah, his name might be called Jacarius or DeAndre or whatever. It could be that damn Tony Spanks, whatever his name is. Whatever his life was about outside of football, I do not want you to make that the highlight of why he should be interviewed in halftime or in one of these breaks. This guy, this grown man, this young man went out, put his body on the line for free for the most part to get an opportunity to go to the NFL. The last thing he wants to talk about is living in a car with his grandma. So stop asking these dumbass questions. Stop posting these dumbass questions unless you're going to ask so-and-so about an uncle that dealt a little meth. And we know the demographic that deals with, deals with meth. It ain't mine. So if you're not asking about meth, you're not asking about trailer park life, if you're not asking about any of that, don't ask about being a foster child. Don't ask about drive-bys or whatever the case may be. Ask them, but how fast do you run the 40-yard dash? How many times can you bench press 225 pounds? That's it. 
Speaking of meth, shout out to the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tony Spanks. I got a new name for my next 2K player. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Like, I just I was thinking of like Banks, Tony but I think that's Spanx. a real guy's name. You know so, what yeah. I'm saying? Lloyd Banks, you know, something. I don't know. But uh yeah, like I the hooker one always gets me. Like, you know, everybody talks about Des Bryant. And, you know, his temper, all this kind of stuff. Like, if he had the temper that we think that he has, he'd have punched that person that asked him that question. It's it's so ridiculous, man. It's like I saw it. Like, literally, that's what maybe that's what maybe because where was I when I was? I think it was, was at my office. I can't remember where I was, but it was on TV. And one of the players going to interview like, tell us about your time at foster care. Like, nah, tell me about your time in Kentucky when you're running the football. Yeah, tell me. Tell me how you got 1,400 yards rushing and 13 touchdowns. Like, I want to know about that. Tell me how somehow you played great against Florida's athletes, but you had trouble with Vanderbilt. You know, tell me. Give me a real question. What I, what I, or if I'm talking to, like, a quarterback or something, you know, what? who was your toughest opponent and why? Like, what defense put you on your toes more than the rest of the defense that you play? What coverage like, do you like to see when it's a go route in the route? Yeah. The route like, tree? like yeah. oh, I love throwing this route against cover two is one of my favorites. I love just fitting it between the safety and the corner. Cool. I don't yeah. want to hear about you. You know time what? You just inspired me, man. I'm going to take the Wonderlick test tomorrow. You know, I'm taking it before. I did pretty good. <laughs> I did better than some of these numbers. I did I did better than Vince Young. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh man. Nah, Vince. Come on, Vince. We love you, Vince. You know, I, I didn't I, I didn't hit Greg McElroy numbers, but I definitely got Vince Young. You know what I'm saying? So speech, you know, we got the award season coming up. You know, we're gonna tell you who we First think. Of all, I want to thank my connect. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You know what I'm saying? We're going, we going to tell you who we think is going to win the award, like who the media is going to vote for, and then we're going to tell you who we choose. Now, some of them we might agree on, you know, as far as with the media, but I think there's some we probably don't agree on. So let's take it to the top, Mr. Logical. Who is your MVP and why? All right, I've gone back and forth on this. Okay. I had I I understand the gambling odds because every once in a while I like to get my little gamble on regular season MVP based on how the award has been given out <laughs> for the last few years. It would be Josh Allen. What? That's as the way the way the award's been given out. He won big games down the I'm stretch. To send somebody to cut your mic. <laughs> a lot of total touchdowns. He had more total touchdowns than Lamar. He had more total touchdowns than Dak. He beat big teams. Yes, they struggled in the middle. The problem is the Ward isn't the most outstanding player. The Ward isn't the NFL version of the Heisman. It's the most valuable player. We'll say, well, he got Stefan Diggs. The last six or seven games, Stefan Diggs had like 33 receptions. So he was literally getting the ball to Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis, Shakir, 
Cook was running the ball well. And he just was making things happen. Rush touchdowns. It wasn't all tush push. Like I like Jalen Hurts, but I think a lot of times when you get the ball down in the one, when Swift ran it down 40, 50, 60 yards on the drive, or you get a throw and and to, you know, what's the what's the ball name? Uh Brown can't AJ Brown can't get the ball in because oh, he catches it. Swift. Yeah. And he and he t- toe taps at the one. And it's like, we all know what's coming next. You know, eight or nine of Jalen's touchdowns came from that. A lot of Josh Allen touchdowns came from, granted, it was a fake slide against Pittsburgh. That didn't count, but a lot of runs like that, big runs. 12, 13-yard scrambles running through the safety on the back end. And he, he held down his team. It it looks bad in comparison because he lost to Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, but so did the guy who's probably going to win MVP. So I wouldn't... I wouldn't hold it against them, but as far as every every year in the last four or five years, it's essentially gone to the most TD wins productive quarterback, and he was that. I know Dak is, you know, might be an argument based off my argument for Josh Allen. Someone can make that same argument for Dak, but Dak being such a high-profile team, they were good all year. Like they only their only lows were when they c- came across good teams. It wasn't like they had a bad stretch early <clears throat> where you were, you know, four and three, and it was a bit of a struggle. And then you go on a run. Dak was, you know, nine wins, but then they lose to Miami. Nine, you know, still sitting on ten wins, lose to Buffalo. You know, like so it just was like you have a good team. You just as a playmaker, you're not consistent. Josh Allen had some bad games early on and still ended up having, you know, most total touchdowns for, you know, keep up up there with total touchdowns for QBs, yards, rush yards, impact. I mean, his coach is on the hot seat every every week off as a coordinator change. Maybe some of that's part of it, but to overcome all that stuff midseason, I would say. Any other year, Josh Allen would be the MVP candidate. So I would have, I probably would have cast my vote for him. Because like I said, I, I I eliminated him like seven weeks ago. Seven, eight weeks ago, I'm pretty sure. Like on this podcast, I said, mm-hmm. nah, I can't do it. But then knowing that the reasons I gave, like, you know, you gave away two or three games. And then the comeback and then the win your division and end up as a two seed when people pretty much had you f- you know, pegged as a team that was going to be in a rebuild week eight to be number two in the AFC, you know, for all intents and purposes, a tougher conference. I'm like, that's value to me to overcome what you, you know, your early setbacks, grind, still put up the numbers you put up, still put up the touchdowns you put up, still put up the wins you put up, tough games against individual, you know, opponents. So, I'm going to go ahead and say Josh Allen would have been my MVP vote if I had one. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we just learned that Mr. Logical will never have an MVP vote. So on that note. (laughs) The audacity. Turn the camera on. So on that note. All right. We all know. We didn't discuss this beforehand. So whatever he says, I'm arguing. 
<laughs> no, you I don't, don't care. How, anyway. I don't care how well everybody's going to argue with me. You know, I'm too five. Anyway, that'd be Dak Prescott. You know, said this is how this is how it goes. So we all know Lamar Jackson will be the MVP, and Lamar Jackson is the MVP. If you don't look at the numbers, you know, if you just say this team without this player, or hey. Look at his lack of receivers, and Baltimore was able to do the things that they've done. If you ignore the fact that they have the number one defense, number one in points allowed, number one in yards allowed, and you just want to give the quarterback the credit, then Lamar Jackson's your MVP. If you don't care about how your quarterback plays on the road, (laughs) if you want your quarterback to lead a team to a four and five road record, if you want your quarterback to have one more road game than home games on the season, but have 12 less completions, his completion percentage goes down 7.4% on the road. He has 424 more pass yards at home, even though he had one more road game. He has 81.5 less yards per game on the road than he does at home. And he has eight less touchdowns on the road. Then Dak Prescott's your MVP. I'll be right back. I'm so done with you, Mike. You know what I'm saying? If if you want to give the quarterback the award and he's third in touchdowns in the league, passing touchdowns, I understand. Because Dak is first in passing touchdowns. So if you want your quarterback to be at least third, but you're okay with your quarterback having a shitty three-game stretch, you're okay with your quarterback throwing four picks in their biggest game of the season, then Brock Purdy's your MVP. If it doesn't bother you that your quarterback is second in the league in interceptions with 18, The fact that every week you live and die on whether he's going to make a mistake or not. He's lost you a few games this season. Started you in a five and six hole that Mr. Logical just told you that he climbed out of. Then Josh Allen is your MVP. But if you want a consistent player who brings it every week, whether it's catching the ball, whether it's running the ball, that little engine that could, then you will join me and name Christian McCaffrey your MVP. Because this is what I hate. I talk to people throughout the year, many years, you know, as former President Trump would say, many, many years, I was talking to people, and they told me that for a running back to win the MVP, They had to get 2,000 yards or they had to break the all-time record. And I was like, well, if that's the case, ain't nobody going to win MVP. Because I saw Derrick Henry do that. Now, with that being said, why did I choose Christian McCaffrey? Here's one reason. He sat the last game of the season and still won the rushing title by 292 yards. Now, here's reason number two. With that, what I just said, and he still had eight less attempts than Derrick Henry, who finished second, 292 yards behind him. 
He's third in rushing TDs, third in 20-yard rushes and 40-yard rushes. He had 67 catches to go with 564 yards, 8.4 yards a catch with seven touchdowns, third in running back receptions, second in running back yards. The 49ers, it's easy to say they live and die with Brock Purdy, given what we saw in the playoffs the last two weeks. But without Christian McCaffrey, at least that comeback against Green Bay doesn't even happen if he didn't hold the fort down. Now, with Lamar Jackson, you know, I don't want to make it just a numbers argument. But he had 24 passing touchdowns. I need my quarterback to make plays with his arms and his legs if possible. But at the very least, his arm because he's a quarterback. You know, and then if you're only going to have 24 rushing touchdowns, I probably need you to have some kind of crazy number of rushing touchdowns. Like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts both have 15 rushing touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has five. So that's 29 total touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? But the Ravens did lead the league in rushing. You know, and obviously he's a big part of that. So you have to give him credit for that. And that goes back into the he means this much to the team. That without yeah, his but that's, presence, that's a Heisman vote. That is that's a Heisman, a Heisman vote. in the two years that Steve Nash got the MVP vote. So if you're so not going to, if, if you like, I like, I like, I like. I mean, I'm not trying to knock Lamar, but it's I am. So you know, MVP, MOP, yeah. So 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 if, but that argument about he makes the offense go. I can say that about Dak. I can say that about Josh Allen as well. But this is the other problem. So if, you, if you're if you going to have 24 passing touchdowns, you got to have the number of rushing touchdowns, but you only got five. So now you got to have yards. He's 17th in passing yards. Like, if you're just looking at statistics, he can't be your MVP. Is this a Lamar Jackson apology award? No, no. Because I think, all the people no. have knocked him for. Is it because he never really makes. He never ruffles feathers. His team doesn't. His fans don't. Uh, his He doesn't nip at the heels of the other great. Because it's like his his other comp, really, the only person, I'm going to say the only, but one of the people that, you know, who's broke his records is Michael Vicks because he's a running quarterback. So you have a guy like Josh Allen that people have been kind of put, comparing almost inadvertently to Mahomes and Burrow. And Burrow and Mahomes have both played in Super Bowls. So that knocks Josh Allen. Cowboy fans are somewhat incredulous, somewhat pedantic. <laughs> Get my no. Stephen A. Smith over here. So, and then Jerry Jones is, is such a looming personality that Dak never really gets the, the head start. Because we talk about this with the, the AP voting for college football when they start out the preseason polls, 1 through 25. After like four weeks, it really like the dust kind of settles from August all the way through September. October 1st, you know, these are the teams. I think sometimes we come into the season with these guys that are like, this guy's going to win MVP. Lamar's always, he's always dynamic. He's even in a loss with the, the 
the tip pass that he caught. I was driving, almost swerved out the road. I was watching the game and I saw it. I was like, oh, and I had to like correct and you know, miss out a pothole jersey, fill the potholes, please. The plows came through after the snow. Go back out there for the potholes. Thanks. <laughs> um, so he's so dynamic, and I think his personality is dynamic. It's not demonstrative, it's not like an overwhelming personality. Even wins and losses, I think people still like him. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of boosts him up. Uh, I don't yeah, think I don't know if people, I don't know if the media likes Dak because he plays for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, and he that, that makes him somewhat unlikable. You, you know what I think? I think that the media tried to crown MVPs at different points during the season, and Lamar was the last one standing. I think that Lamar is the best player on the best team, you know, as far as record wise and everything. So, like when you look at it, remember Dak was the MVP. But then, or actually, it started with Tua. Tua was the MVP. The Tua they, MVP part, I never understood. They, they, I never, they, under, I never. It was too early, and I never understood it because Tyreek Tyre Hill's numbers were so crazy, right? And the pace he was. There's on. obviously a dependency here. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and then you have guys like Jalen Waddle and Moster, and essentially they had NCAA Olympic track speed wearing shoulder pads for Tua. So it's like almost anyone could have thrown those routes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss Tua, but I didn't think he was like, I don't think, he, I don't, I think the, the skill position players that he had were more valuable to Miami than him. Well, for a lot of the season, <laughs> Tua led in passing touchdowns, you know, until like near the very end. They but lost that was really far. Game. It wasn't like he was ever like 20 no, 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 not at all. Everybody not else was like sixteen, but, but he that was, was like twenty-one. And other people were like nineteen. You know what I mean? But then they they lost to Tennessee on that Monday night football game when Tyreek Hill when Tyreek Hill got hurt, and he couldn't get then, the first then down it became, twice. Then it became Dak, you know, and then the Cowboys went out and lost to Tua to Miami. And, and it then, was like, you can't be the MVP if we just lost and, the guy we just deregulated even, as MVP. Even yeah. when you were watching that game, Tony Romo. There was a moment where Miami scored, or I'm sorry, Dallas scored, and then Tony Romo asked, did Dak just have his MVP moment, as if it was the Heisman. You know, Miami comes down, scores, Dallas gets the ball back, and he's like, this is Dak's chance for another MVP moment. You don't get two in the same game, first of all, but, you know, yeah, but yeah. You, you call it at the end. <laughs> right. So then, So then it was Brock Purdy again, you know, because San Francisco, we thought, was the best team in the league at the time. And then Baltimore came in there on Christmas night. I think Tua, I think Tua and Brock Purdy are a byproduct of the MVP almost essentially being granted. Yes, I picked Josh Allen. Almost being like exclusively a quarterback award over the last 10, 15 years. Right. I think with the exception of Adrian Peterson, who literally did what you say, ran up for over two thousand yards. <coughs> excuse my language. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I was about to cuss. Uh, I was thinking about cussing. But so Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy and Tua, I think they were launched to this one through five range of MVP candidates because the award goes to quarterbacks. Right. I told you early in the year, I would have had Tyreek and Christian McCaffrey up there higher Mm -hmm. simply because. I felt that what they were doing, they were on pace 
for huge numbers for their position, whereas all the quarterbacks were kind of on pace for good years Mm -hmm. for 10 to 12 guys have done over the last few years. Kirk Cousins was leading the league in touchdown passes for his Achilles pops. Right. And no one had him anywhere near the MVP conversation. So I was like, that's why I was moving up the skill position, guys. But ultimately, as it gets colder, you can't run, you tweak an ankle, you're not as effective as a running back wide receiver, whereas the quarterback is still out there. And that's why I was like, that's why like I think Josh Allen when I think Josh Allen hit his stride when there was a lot that confusion that is it Brock Purdy, is it Tua, is it Dak? It was never Josh Allen. And I think in my mind, he just kept like trugging along, trugging along, trugging along. So when they essentially switched it to Lamar, it's like, okay, he kept just doing, he kept going and going and going. But that's the thing that the game that they made the switch brought Purdy through four interceptions and got benched. And it just happened to be against Against Lamar's team. You know what I'm saying? But obviously, it wasn't Lamar out there making the interceptions, blitzing them, all that stuff like that. But you got to give it to a quarterback or, you know, the leader of the team. Just like I said, by default, they'd be giving it to quarterbacks. Yeah, because, I mean, Dak led the league in passing touchdowns, you know. So if that's a requirement for you, you know, he could be your MVP. And I don't think too many people would argue with you that don't have context or – you I know, mean, that Aaron Rodgers won it two years in a row. Did, at any point, did and, you think Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were viable championship competitors? No, with, not at even, all. Even and, with and, him and, at the helm for two no, years. And, 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 no, and I, and I think that the other thing is that most years. That felt like lazy voting. I, I feel like most years the MVP is pretty clear cut for the most part. Like when Mahomes won his MVPs, we knew he was the MVP in like week 11 or something like that. You know, um, there was the argument me and you both felt Tom Brady should have got one of the uh, Aaron Rodgers MVP. We yeah. both felt that, but I don't necessarily have a problem with Aaron Rodgers winning it. Based I just off the Brady. fact that the the base off the fact on like the parameters by which Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, I was like, well, you're only looking at numbers, right? Right. You're like you're exclusively looking at numbers, right? You know, it's Tom Brady because Tom okay. Brady didn't have that great of a team. Can but we stop the same more? year that Matt Ryan won MVP? Aaron Rodgers had more passing touchdowns I, I than quit. Matt Ryan that year because I was thinking like it might be a little tough. But like something that you mentioned in our pre meeting is like you kind of put it out there like, all right, these awards are coming out in February. You know, we got to vote in January. And then you get to this point is like, what guy, what team, what coach, what staff did better than I expected? And I think Matt Ryan did better than anybody expected that year. The year he won MVP. Like I said, uh, Aaron Rodgers had more passing touchdowns. I think their inception, the touchdown interception ratio is pretty much the same. Hey, I got, I got a quick, get it off my chest real quick. Um, This is like, you know, 45 seconds. Give me 45 seconds. All right. So, so, so like, stop with the head to head stuff. Like, you know, we were in the chat today, you know, Clinton yeah. Portis versus Sean Alexander, and it had that like one of them was 2 and 0 against the other or something. Or I hear LeBron fans talk about, you know, how he's like 26 and 16 against Kobe or something like that. Well, that's you know, a little bit more relevant. Because no, it they ain't. Were on it's, the a team floor. Game. it's a team game. There's but they were four on the other floor. players on the At floor. least they were competing against each other. Shady didn't try to. Tackle Clinton Portis. 
Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I just, I just feel like it's just pointless to me. I, like, like, like it doesn't like if Kevin Durant has a winning record against Kawhi Leonard or whatever, like, I'm not going to use that in an argument to be like, yo, Kevin Durant's better because he's 24 and 20 against Kawhi. Like, it I just would use it. Dumb. I'd use, I'd use it as an argument because before, before you know, these guys went certain places and teamed up with guys, they were not able to beat this other guy. And that guy's teams. I know it's a team sport, but as no, as, you don't it's, apparently. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little more. Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning is like, like if I like if I told you Peyton Manning is not playing middle linebacker. If, when if I told Tom you Brady's Isaiah Thomas is head to head against Michael Jordan, you would ask me how often did Isaiah actually guard Michael Jordan or whatever? Like you know what I mean? Like it has no relevance. Yeah, but if it's Elijah versus Gary Payton, Gary Payton's not guarding Elijah But if it's, but they, Trey, I bet you they got a head to head. If you Google it, though, I'm you pretty know sure you do. But if it was but, like Tracy McGrady versus Vince Carter, but, but anyway, they're probably matching up with each other. All right, anyway, Peyton Manning's never playing. To, I just had to Peyton get that Peyton out. Manning is never playing outside linebacker against Tom right. Brady in the exactly, playoff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the football oh, comparison is a little lazy. I agree. So, I agree old, so old boy, what you got? Offensive player of the year. Like who's going who do you think the media is going to pick and then who you picking? Well, I think the media is going to pick Christian McCaffrey. And I, I agree so, with too. that because I think they've slowly made the offensive player of the year the default. I'm sorry I didn't vote for you for MVP, but I got to vote for this quarterback because that seems to be the standard. Yeah. Yes, I know. I get it. Everyone's listening like, oh, you just said Josh Allen. Yes, I get it. Because that's Josh Allen had like a really, really, really great season, even amongst the good seasons that these other quarterbacks were having. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think quarter, honestly, in my personal opinion, I don't think quarterbacks should even be in this category. I agree. But you would have to, but that would, that would mean that the AP and everybody else who voted would have to acknowledge publicly. Well, if you're going to treat MVP the MVP is that way, award. If you're going to treat the MVP that way, you have to do something. Just, I mean, you can go MVP, and like I said, we call the quarterback award Johnny United Award or whatever. But I think the, uh, I think Tyreek Hill had a shot. My issue with Tyreek Hill and a lot of these other guys, even Cooper Cup to an extent, like over recent years. Chasing the yardage record when we have 17 games and then just saying it out loud as if I'm not supposed to know that Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, set the record at 16 games. Right. So it's a yardage thing. So if you give me a whole nother game, then I'm like, and I break the record, but I barely break it. If I'm on pace, so I don't know the exact numbers. I think it's somewhere like 1841 for Megatron, 1891, something like that. I want to say like it's like 18. I'll look it up real quick, but go ahead. All right. So if we do that math over 16 games and at 15 games, I'm on that pace based off of his 16-game pace. Mm-hmm. And then in the 16th game, I break the record. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. But with Tyreek, they just kept bringing it up. So, but when they kept, you know, every time they bring it up, you know, as the season progresses, week eight, you're dealing with this. Week eight, 
you know, week 10, you're dealing with this. Week 12, you're dealing with this. And it was like, all he needs is 214 yards this game, and he'll be back on pace. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's it just it started to it started to look as if it wasn't gonna happen based off the fact that for so many weeks, what's the numbers, what's the numbers per week? Well, I wasn't looking per week, but overall it's 1964. I knew it was some degree. So 1964, divide that by 16 for me real quick so I can kind of finish this up. So with Tyreek, because every single time Miami was 122.75. 123 yards a game, basically. 123 yards a game. So if you extrapolate that over 17 games, give me that number. Here, I'll pull it up real quick. So 17 times 123. So that 19 is 1964. Yep. Divided by 17. Pause. 1964 divided by 17. Wow. 1964. My fat <laughs> The math ain't mathing. Yo. <laughs> I got 115 and a half. (laughs) 115 and a half. That's why you ain't got no MVP vote. You know what I'm saying? Thumbs too fat. I've been I've been (laughs) voting for Mitch Trubisky for MVP, these thumbs. Uh, so (laughs) if I mean at 115 a game, I just feel I feel like with the extra game with the yardage, you gotta blow it out of the water. I need you at 1900 after 15 games, mm-hmm. you know, I need you somewhere in that space. So, if it yeah, takes I need you, you at 2100 or something, yeah, I need, I need you to blow his record out of the water. You you come down here with 1965 and 17 games, it's not well, gonna Hill, to be fair. He has been on pace, he just keeps getting hurt. That's what's but that's the thing, he would be on pace and get hurt, and then the next week, the number would be. Right, if he gets 197 yards this game. He'll be on, he'll be back on pace, right. just, you know. So, but going back to Christian McCaffrey because his because of the Shanahan, the legacy of how they run the ball and the impact. Like I said, we were talking about Clinton Portis earlier in the in the group shot to the hot box. It's just that zone running scheme, you know. Most are down in Miami, and then you got Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco. And even the running that Shanahan kind of implemented with uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman when he was in Atlanta, it just seems as if when you put a running back behind that, they have success. Christian McCaffrey is no exception to that. I just think that that's probably why he probably didn't get that many MVP votes because we've seen – Guys who do that for two years and then we never hear from again. Like I don't know where Devontae. See, but, but to me, that shouldn't matter. It, it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't you know matter. It's, it's, it's like when we talk about college football <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, Georgia's been good the last couple of years. Let's make them number one." It's like, okay, cool, but Randy Moss caught twenty three touchdowns from Tom Brady that year. Yeah, if he would have gone the rest of his career and never caught more than four touchdowns in a game, I mean, in a season, we will look at it like, oh. Those numbers were inflated because he was going to. Yeah, we would, but it still doesn't take away from what you see. See, this is it doesn't, it doesn't take away. See, hold up, hold up, hold up. He doesn't get, elevate either. Get it so off my chest. Get it off my chest. I got another one. So, like, All right, yeah. If, if, I'll if, argue. I'm ready for this. No, I'm just saying. If there's something that, and this ain't at you, I'm just saying. If, yeah, I know. I get if, it. If there's something that you would criticize someone for, then you have to give them credit if they do the reverse. So, like, for example, 
you know, Brock Purdy, you know, uh, he's only good because of the team around him and, uh, you know, the rest of the talent. And it's like, if he wasn't doing the things that he was doing, you would criticize him. Or no, not, no, no, I'm not saying like that. No, not I'm you. I'm just saying no, in general. No, no, no. I'm like, just saying in general. But my general statement as far as like the 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 CMC thing is that so many guys with the Shanahan coming down from his pops down to Kyle, so many running backs have had a splash season of 12, 13, 1400 yards multiple times. Denver, Washington. Atlanta, now San Francisco, like so many guys have already had that success. And then after that, we didn't hear anything from them. So it could be, I'm not saying it will impact. But we also saw Christian McCaffrey do that outside of Shanahan. Yeah. And he caught, he caught like 116 passes from Cam Newton one year and like 108 another year. Yeah. Um. So I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a dynamic running back. It's as far as that, <clears throat> if you're going to pick, is this are these numbers because he's CMC or are these numbers because he's in Cal Shanahan's offense? But because, like I said, the default offensive player of the year award has gone to the guy they didn't vote for for MVP right, generally, right, right, right. he is that guy that they would pick over Tyree Kill. See, and I would get the Shanahan thing if we were talking about Elijah Mitchell. Like, I think that makes more sense because, you know, he doesn't have the pedigree slash. I mean, it's clear that Christian Mostert, I think, I think Raheem Mostert down in Miami essentially running Shanahan systems, you know, a proxy from Mike McDaniel. He had, I believe he had like 17 to 18 rushing touchdowns. I think he had 19. I know he led the uh, league in rushing touchdowns, but. You know what I mean, but I mean like, I don't know, any, like, but, but I don't know, but it didn't look like that. yards, but it didn't look like that when uh oh I can't think of the dude's name right now Ahmad something I can't think of his name right now, but the Dolphins had another running back previously and it didn't look like that. So uh, they had, had they had Miles Gaskin and it didn't look like that. You know what I mean? So, so, so he had like, a thousand. He had a thousand twelve yards. Yeah, I think he finished third down. or four. Or no, he finished like he finished top ten in rushing. But he also missed some games too. Yeah, you know. But but I, I just I just, I get what you're saying. I just don't think it applies to Christian McCaffrey. You know what I mean? Like because we've seen it. Like if like like we saw Clinton Portis play for a bunch of, for some different teams. You know, we saw we didn't see Terrell Davis play for a bunch of teams. So it could apply to him. You know, it could apply to Orlando Gary I'm still, and, I'm still and Mike Anderson. It could apply to them. But Christian McCaffrey, when he was in Carolina, was still in the conversation of best running back in the league. It was just that he got hurt all the time, you know. But yeah, my old boy, I'm gonna go with Josh Allen, you know, with the total touchdowns. The only thing I hate though is the number of interceptions. <laughs> you know, I don't like the 18 interceptions. Like a I know a lot of quarterbacks had a lot of turnovers. It was weird. It was a yeah, weird I think Mahomes even had 14 interceptions this year. You know, but just looking at it from a purely statistical standpoint, I don't have a problem with Josh Allen winning that. What about Depoy? This one was probably my toughest one. It was tough. I'm going to go with the bull, Miles Garrett. I think that's who the media is going to pick, too. I think the media is going to pick TJ Watt. Because they are essentially the same 
story. One team, defensive player, defensive end, the only guy you really had to focus on in the, the front seven. Mediocre quarterback play. Coach someone on a hot seat. But their defense was still top six in the league. TJ Watt and Miles Garrett both did that. I think the thing that really, and this sounds like superficial, when he was shifting from left to right and right back to left, left to right, and the two tight ends kept moving back and forth to the mm-hmm. point where the other team got delayed game penalty because they were so focused on making sure. They was like, it was in unison. You remember that play? Mm-hmm. Okay. That kind of impact was the Miles Garrett impact. So that, that was like the first thing. Then he was doing like the crossover. You know he's coming. You couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And he's on a team that was traditionally underwhelming as far as success. I think Pittsburgh with TJ Watt, yes, he is the catalyst. He is the engine that makes that makes that train go. I just feel like Pittsburgh as a whole, without TJ Watt there, they can make things happen because the the the, the construct of their defense. I know there's wins and losses, but a lot of it is because the quarterbacks can't make plays. He does make up for the fact that the quarterbacks can't make plays to get some off the field. But Miles Garrett's availability and his impact week in and week out is like why, in my opinion, he would be my defensive player of the year. Yes, I think I think the media is going to take him. Uh, I think they're going to pick Miles Garrett. Um, I am going to pick TJ Watt. Um, 19 and a half sacks speaks for itself. You know, um, the person that surprised me when I looked at this was Micah Parsons because um, I don't understand him as a player. And I think part of that is Dan Quinn, just not knowing how to deploy him, if you will. Because as I look at Micah Parsons, there's a lot of games, these bigger games, where he seems to have no impact. Like, it's easy to lose him, forget that he's playing sometimes. Like, I think in the Green Bay playoff game, he only had one tackle, you know. Um, But I was shocked that when it comes to pressures, he's got Watt and Garrett beat by, like, 17 to 20. You know what I mean? So I was shocked by that, you know. Um, so So I think that any of those three could win it. Like any of those three would be a good choice. Um, I eliminated. I think two out of those three. I, I eliminated Crosby uh, when I looked at it because team didn't win enough. And I eliminated. Uh, uh, Bland. Yeah, Bland. I eliminated Bland. He's got the pick six record, but he gave up a lot too. Like the it was like the Diggs experience all over again. Yeah, you know. But um, he comes back healthy. They'll be they'll be legit next year. But when I look at Pittsburgh. I got to push back a little bit because we know Pittsburgh. We talked about it. You talked about it for a quick second. Pittsburgh's like one in 10 without TJ Watt coming into this season. You know, um, they are actually 21st in total defense this year. So we're talking about a dude that got 19 sacks on the 21st ranked defense. Imagine if that defense didn't have him. 
they might imagine, look like, it, imagine if you're the best player on the top five defense in the league. Don't but that top five defense also means it's it's the, but see it's that it's that Lamar Jackson argument almost but reverse because if you look at Miles Garrett, what you're saying is absolutely correct. But they got a damn good secondary. You know what I mean? They got some damn good linebackers. So yeah, he's on the top five defense because they have the players to have a top five defense. You know what I, I, I mean? You. I, so, 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 I so normally like, don't like losing arguments, but except to you, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> so with TJ Watt, you know, like uh, they have Mika uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, and uh, Joey Porter Jr. is in the rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year conversation. Oh, he's skinny. You know what I'm saying? That's who I wanted in Washington. I wanted him over uh, – I forgot his name – Forbes. I wanted him over Forbes. You know what I mean? But The, you know. the dude from Mississippi State, right? Yeah, but you know, Yo, Washington 160 at the combine. Yeah, yeah. you know, You're Washington a tough football player. If you can run around here hitting grown men, you weigh 160 pounds. Washington always disappoints me, though. Um, but you got Dan but I, Quinn, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Washington disappoints me. Uh, Miles Garrett did have 17 um, tackles for losses, you know, on the season, along with 15 sacks. So it wasn't like TJ Watt had 21 sacks and Miles Garrett had 12. You know what I mean? Uh, 19 and a half and 15. So, but also Cleveland ran into the DAC problem. We talked about this before the playoff game. What's that? Where their numbers on defense drop really, really bad on the road. You know, they go from like a top five defense to like a top 17 defense when they go yeah, on the road. But they were also it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Consistent with, with that quarterback. No, it's not his fault, but that's just something and that Pittsburgh I know. It wasn't very consistent, but we knew early on that their quarterback play wasn't great. So I give you that. But they were like, they were getting surprises at quarterback. Well, TJ like Watt, Watt, in my opinion, TJ Watt single handedly basically won the Monday night game against Cleveland. That was a lot of turnovers. Yeah. And he had a touchdown. I think he scored two touchdowns overall of the season. You know, I like Miles Garrett a lot. Like I said, I think that's who will be the winner. You know, I just value this, CJ. This NFL.com poll, granted, is only 23 participants, and these are like employees of NFL.com. Right. They have JJ Watt as the uh or TJ winner. winner. Oh, yeah. I keep saying JJ, TJ. So, <laughs> yeah. so per NFL.com, they got MVP Lamar Jackson. He needs a nickname. Should have got it's too late now. I think he won't get he one. got a nickname. Um, Action Jackson? No, Heimlich. Oh, wow. We trying to get this guy to watch our show. <laughs> Tag him in it. Tag him in it. Maybe he'll argue with us. You know what uh, I'm McCaffrey is your, your old boy. Defensive player of the year per NFL.com. This is not like an official ranking. Is TJ Watt with 11 votes. Miles Garrett got nine. Parsons got eight. Blaine got two. Crosby got two. <laughs> that now we got offensive rookie of the year. We could pretty much lock that in. Yeah, we both, I think, got CJ Stroud. Yes, CJ Stroud is going to pick him as well. Yep. 23 touchdowns, five picks. And I keep in mind, like, I think those picks, I think he had one game of one, another game of one, another game of three. And and there's and there's a lot of people and he out there. 16 games. So that means 13 games. He had no interceptions. There's a lot of people out there. No shots. It's just facts. There's a lot of people out there that say that Justin Fields would flourish more 
with a non-defensive coach. You got, you know, you keep hiring these defensive coordinators with the young quarterbacks and it stalls. I don't well, buy he, that. I don't buy that I either. That's that. what I'm trying to get it. to. CJ Stroud had the a defensive coach called it plays. Like if, like if Bill Belichick was out there calling pass plays, like case in point, Mac Jones out there getting play calls from See, look at this. Matt Patricia last year. Basketball's crazy. Philly with the 10-point halftime lead with no MB. Those dudes are prime athletes. I and know, but I'm just saying, you know, Maxi, Maxi, hold up, hold up, hold up. Just just to pre just to just to prime our topic, our topic later, right? Maxi got 32 at halftime. You know what I'm saying? Man, but go ahead. But go you ahead. Got a yeah, so I mean, if you think about these like these awards and quarterback play and everything else i think it's just a matter of just a matter of time before they just like they figure out give these guys a shot see what they can do right and when you have a guy like cj stroud and then you have a guy like justin fields with the defensive coach and it's like the defensive coach doesn't call the plays though right so when the offensive coordinator either from the booth or the sideline calls it you gotta hit the first read i think i i like the i like the fact that justin fields is potentially available because i want to jolt with my own franchise because i think that's a possibility but in the same sense i was talking to my dad i was like earlier i was like because it's rare that a guy gets drafted by one team and then goes to the next team before he signs his deal, like his, you know, six or seven years in. I don't know if the new regime is going to be married to him. Right. The way, you know, this current regime is married to CJ Stroud, you know, and I think that's going to be a problem for Bryce Young. Well, I think I think the idea though is that these defensive, a lot of the defensive coaches don't know how to hire offensive coaches. They don't know who the good offensive. But if, coach I, if, is. But if I'm hiring offensive, you know they coach against these dudes too. I'm an offensive guy. Like I think the defensive coach, I think it's, I think it's a fallacy in it because it sounds good because no one's really qualified to quantify it. They just say they'll just take the end of year stats and say, see, defensive coach. Mike Tom's defensive coach never had an under 500 season. Bill Belichick was a defensive Bill coach. Bill Belichick has eight Super Bowl rings, two as a coordinator, six as a head coach. He's been under 500 last couple of years. So just this, this blind narrative that, oh, because you have a defensive coach. If the defensive coach is out there trying to call plays, like Todd Bowles didn't call any plays. He's like Patricia. <laughs> just got hired on just got hired on to be the head coach in Carolina. Granted, I think both decisions made by the Tampa Bay coordinator and the Carolina front office. I don't know if that's really gonna work. Well, I think Seattle is the only coach. I mean, I don't want to like, but Seattle, I think, is the only one that got the right coach. I want to say a no, you don't. <laughs> I was here last week. I heard what you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think the same thing about Dan Quinn. I was like, because this is my argument, like for Dan Quinn going to to Washington. Hold on, we'll, hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll come back. Yeah, to that. yeah. We'll come back. Yeah, to we'll that. Come back to but, all right. So, who you got for uh, defensive rookie of the year? 
I got Will Anderson. I think. I uh, say that. Just, yeah, I mean, I'm just going chalk. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, like you said it last week. Sometimes the easiest answer is the correct one. You know, we can dig deep and be like, oh, Jalen Carter, like Philly's defense. Well, I think that's who's going to win. I think that's who's going to get it. Jalen Carter? Yeah, I think that's who the media is going to vote for. No, because if he would have caught that interception on that Mahomes spike when he dove through the legs, yeah, I think that would have been maybe the moment. That would have been his Heisman moment. That would have been, <laughs> been his Heisman moment. Um, But the fact that Philly's had, had such a fall off, they replaced and or fired or demoted and promoted defensive coordinators <coughs> throughout the season. And it wasn't like he was the, what they call the, the force multiplier. Uh-huh. It wasn't as if they were having these issues and his presence made a difference. Like Chris Jones in that Baltimore, Kansas City AFC game, when he took his breather and he came back in on second down, because like I think Baltimore would get the ball, and he would take the he would take a breather from the whole time the obviously the offense on the field. Baltimore get the ball back, and I think they would bring it back in on second down. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's second and nine, second and ten, and he would do his bull rush up the middle, and he did the same thing on third down. That impact, I'm not sure if Jalen Carter had that kind of impact in the games that he was in. I think Will Anderson did, and that. And the overall success of the team with these two, like the deal, the deals that they made to get Stroud and Anderson in the top five is just like you being a Commanders fan or Washington football team or previous known as a Redskins fan, and me being a Falcons fan is like, just do that for me one time. Give me that satisfaction that you went all in. And then it worked. It worked mm-hmm. offensively and it worked defensively. And I think that's what people are going to focus on is that it worked. So I think, you know, like I said, the voters got. So you got Will Anderson and you think that the uh, media is going to take Will Anderson as well? Because I, because I, I think the move was jarring. The move was like, wow, I cannot believe they traded back up to three to get this guy mm-hmm. after they just got their quarterback and they were done. I think they were done for a couple of rounds. Like they moved all their picks for the first two, three rounds, definitely for the first two days. And they were like, and then it worked. All right. I got two questions for you. Who do you think I'm going to pick? Uh, if I had to think, you said Jalen Carter. I don't know. Probably Kobe Turner out of L.A. Good job. Good job. I didn't just meet you. You know what I'm saying? All right. Second question. Second question. Since the year 2000, how many corners have won Defensive Rookie of the Year? Since 2000. Was Jason Seahorn in that? uh... No. That's a different different quarterback stat. Well, you know one already because Sauce won it last year. Sauce. Um, corners? Yeah. Three? Correct. I can't name them though. I'm like, I'm not, oh, I was gonna add, that was the next yeah. question. That was the next question. I was I was so I was got, thinking like maybe got. Stingley, but I don't think Stingley was one. No, he was a rookie uh two years ago, right? Yeah, no, he didn't get it. Uh so it was yeah. uh sauce. 
Marcus Lattimore. Okay. And Marcus Peters. Marcus, yo, I like I like Marcus Peters a lot. I like, I like when he runs. He I like when he runs the stands with uh fans. He reminds me a lot of Asante Samuel, and he's a lot of feast or famine. You know what I mean? But, uh, oh yeah, you if if you double move him, if he doesn't have safety up over top, and you double move him, you go get him. But if you run that hitch route, he's taking that to the house. He's yeah, dumping I, that. I think he's like second in active uh, interceptions. I did. I did consider the reason I asked the DB question is that I did consider Devin Witherspoon for a second. You know, um, seventy nine tackles as a corner. You know, still had some picks. You know, all that good stuff. So, I think he was a good player. I didn't pick Joey Porter at all because I just felt like I definitely saw him get beat up a lot. Yeah, you know, um, dude, yeah, you know what I mean. And and I mean, I like him. Like I said, I wanted to draft him for Washington, but um, so I eliminated him early. Um, I eliminated Jalen Carter, unfortunately, because I did the whole thing. This is my blind spot. We talked about it. I did the thing where I was like, but look at all the stuff Philly got on defense around the line and around the linebackers. Like, yeah. His job is easy to some degree. Like, you he know, has where, four or five dudes that he's won championships with in his locker room. Yeah. And, 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 and you got people that like the defense has to focus on a lot of people in Philly's defense to where initially a rookie isn't going to get that attention, no matter how good he is. When you still got what they have, you know. Um, I like Will Anderson. You know, um, I thought he was going to be the first defensive player taken, you know, in the draft last year coming into the draft. So I I was always high on Will Anderson. Uh, But when I look at Kobe Turner, you know, led all rookies in sacks on a defense that really didn't amount to much, that really wasn't much, that didn't have a lot of regard for it coming into the season. So that's my blind spot, you know. You know, so I went with him mostly for those reasons. Uh, I just think that when I watched him, him and Will Anderson are the ones that had the most impact. Like Jalen Carter had a lot of impact, but like I said, he had all those other dudes around him too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he was allowed to be free. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it came down to Anderson and Turner, and you know, um, you know, Anderson had one less sack, but he was a disruptor too. You know, so I think you can't, to me, you can't go wrong with either Turner or Anderson. Yeah, and, and Anderson was a disruptor on a team that, like you said, your blind spot wasn't expected to do much. Right, 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 right. And they didn't have any real veterans to say his success is because this other person right is right whereas turner whereas does turner mind. has a super bowl winning head coach who's been to a couple super bowls quarterback aaron donald who's arguably a first ballot hall of famer just this the just the the the, the yeah. mystique and the scheme and the 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 structure of the rams and their successful like Going into it, it, it was ironic. Is this kind of hurting his stock because he went to a successful organization? It's like it's not my fault. I was born in the money, 
and I'm still good at money versus like I wasn't born into money and I'm just as good as this other guy. Right. Will right. Anderson went to a situation where he wasn't born into money and his his output was very similar to a guy but who see, but uh, looking but looking at that same to. but looking at it through that same vein, um Kobe Turner went to a team with an offensive head coach, you know, that everything is predicated on the offense. He had Aaron Donald. But outside of that, there wasn't really much impact on the Rams' defense, you know. Whereas, but the Rams do know, make moves to to fill in these gaps. Whereas, like, uh, they Ramsey, they'll trade this, they'll make this move. They they do make good defensive. It wasn't as if he was an offensive coach who was oblivious to the impact and the necessity to be good defensively. Where so Anderson, you know, <laughs> went to the architect of the 49ers' defense the last couple of years. You know, um, he did have Grinnard. You know, they got the young talent with Stingley. So, I mean, you know, they got a little bit of talent. It's just all young. But I think you could go either way. Um, like, I think that if he, if he had to, if he had to guess what team was going to win preseason, right? I'm pretty sure we had the Rams winning more games than Houston. Yeah, I think we had our, them at like we had them at like five. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, but our logic, our logic for Houston was they were so young. There's no they way need time. Yeah, they need time. But right. yet they more than doubled our expectations, and the Rams just surprised us. I think. Right. I think we just were wrong on the Rams and surprised. Well, I, like us. I think part of part of it was we didn't know how healthy Stafford was going to be. You know, I even thought with a healthy Stafford, I just didn't think it was going to be sustainable because I didn't believe they had enough firepower. But like I said, I was wrong on the Rams. Yeah, obviously we didn't see Puka coming. I was surprised by Houston, and I think that that surprise and that sustainability because it wasn't like they went on a run. It was just they had some good games. They right. lost a couple. They had a grind. They lost a you know a close one when the the, the kick fell just short against Jacksonville. So I think it was like up and down and up and down. You got your rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, rookie defensive leader. It's just so many elements that should not have worked. Whereas right. the Rams, we just weren't expecting the elements that were in place to continue to work. So um, it's a foregone conclusion that D'Amico Ryans is going to win coach of the year. I don't think so, man. Don't think I, so? I don't. I don't think so. I think the media was definitely pumping that when they won the last game against Indianapolis. I, I, if you voted for Stefanski or D'Amico Ryan's and Dan Campbell third, I think I'm good. That's actually my ranking. <laughs> uh, I. I want to say, I want to say D'Amico Ryan's because he had a rookie quarterback, but that rookie was more consistently available than the revolving door of quarterbacks that Stefanski had to do. Right. Well, you also, I mean, but D'Amico's also a his entire coach. time you know in mean? Cleveland. Yeah, he's a rookie coach, but I think even as a rookie coach, he was consistently there. CJ was consistently there. They did have the injury to Tank Dell. That was a big deal. But mm -hmm. because they're so young collectively, offensively, that I, th I think they can get overcome it. Stefanski, we had no idea. I didn't know Deshaun Watson was even hurt. I thought the Ohio Lake Superior, Lake Erie water and making like the 
I mean, the soaps and lavender oils up there. They was he was gonna get a good massage in, but the shoulder just apparently nah, no work. more massages for that guy. Yeah, I mean, so it's like <laughs> not, I don't take a dig at him, but it just felt as if he wasn't there. They played PJ Walker, they played DTR, Deshaun Watson played, and then he was out Black for the season. Yeah. So like like so like it was if you're Stefanski, you're like, I've already dealt with Baker for a couple of years. Not necessarily Baker being a problem, but just like trying to figure out the quarterback position with that number one pick. Mm-hmm. Making a trade, the team giving all this money, and then that guy suspended for essentially a year, and I'm running with backups. Then I come back into this year, he's good to go. He's not playing well. He gets injured. I got to run with this journeyman and pj walker the rookie in dtr then i got a call flacco off his couch like a fire volunteer or firefighter <laughs> you know what i'm saying but then we still go 11 and 5 i still got a top break defense so i think D'Amico ryan's maintain a level of excellence and success and, and created a culture in houston that's sustainable but as far as trials and tribulations that you have to go to to maintain success I think Stefanski had it. So I personally would pick Stefanski. Like I said, it's not a knock on D'Amico. Hey, you're going jack my steez. I'm pretty sure you just switched that up. No, I didn't know. I said that's it. They were going to take D'Amico Ryans, but I would like, I said, if you, I said, if you voted for either of the three of them, but I personally think because they had such, because you got to keep in mind, PJ Walker and DTR terrible at quarterback mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson I didn't think he was doing I didn't think Deshaun Watson was great right. last year well, you know what and this year I didn't have any faith in him so for mm-hmm. him to still be able to coach that team to that many wins was like that's you know what you brought this on you brought this on yourself you know <laughs> <laughs> pop quiz <laughs> you named Four of the five quarterbacks that started for the Browns this year. Who's the fifth one? I got. It wasn't Dobbs. He didn't do one. So I got Flacco, DTR, Deshaun, and Flacco. Deshaun. They had a fifth starting quarterback? Yeah. I mean, granted, it was the last game of the season, but still, he started. I, I don't know who that is. Jeff Driscoll, man. Come on. Don't be disrespectful. Oh, SEC, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so yeah, they won that game with Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think I think Cincinnati beat him, but um, but but yeah, I uh, that was the same thing that I was thinking. Stefanski with the quarterback revolving door, he's the only coach on the list that had to deal with something Nick like Chubb that. went out with a like terrible injury. Yeah, that was catastrophic on Monday Night Football. In, yeah, yeah, early in the season, like it was like. To the point where you knew when he carted off the field that that guy's unavailable to me, and then your starting quarterback that you're paying two hundred thirty million dollars to, he's unavailable to me. All guaranteed, by the way. I'm on the hot seat because I play in one of the most fan passionate cities. I'm a coach in one of the most fan passionate cities in America, and it's like, what what do I do? And to and of course, you know, every team in that division finished with a winning record. You know, which had to happen like the 30s color. or something like that. So, so D'Amico Ryan's obviously deserves votes. You know, he's a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, relying on rookie Will Anderson. You know, there was a lot going on in Houston 
to where I don't think anybody major media wise chose the Texans to win that division, chose the Texans to make the playoffs. Like, I think I heard one person, I just can't remember who it is, but nobody was riding that wave. You know what I mean? So that's something. Uh, As far as Detroit goes, Detroit has an infusion of talent. You know, they went out and got Jamar Gibbs. I mean, Jameer Gibbs. They have David Montgomery. They picked him up. Davis Wayam post suspension. Davis Brown. Playoff. He's he's won duels with on. They were. Jared Goff was a primetime quarterback for so many years with the Rams. I just don't know what Dan Campbell did. You you know who Dan Campbell reminds me of? The year. You know who you know who uh, he reminds me of? He reminds me of a dude down in Clemson, South Carolina. Oh, Dabo running up the tunnel on Death Valley. Yeah, like you know, he's a rah-rah guy, motivator. You know, run you'll run through the wall for him. But I don't know how much actual day-to-day coaching is actually think, going on. I think, but I, I think he's a good coach. My thing is that if if we go, like I said, if we go according to NFL.com, once again, this is the source I'm using, and there are 23 voters that they had their employees. 16 went to D'Amico, 9 went to Campbell, Five went to Stefanski, two went to Shanahan, and then zero votes to John Harbaugh in Baltimore. My thing is, I don't know why you would vote. I understand why you would vote D'Amico over Stefanski Mm -hmm. because of the 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 rookie age experience circumstance that he had down in Houston, coupled with the the limited winning culture that they have down in Houston, right. But I don't know what Dan Campbell did that was more impressive than what Stefanski did. I think it was just Jared Goff was available every single week. But they won nine games last year. I know, but the Lions, like what they did this year was for their for them was very unprecedented. Well, they went eleven and six. Well, I just mean like overall everything, like just the whole yeah. season, the NFC Championship game, something that they had never done before since like the but old. The votes, come, the votes are in before the votes are in the votes are in the regular season. You know, and I think that people just fell in love with the story of the Lions because I think people like one, Dan Campbell. Oh yeah, they love Dan Campbell. Fans have essentially no personality. Well, like we always say, he's the Brandon. Right, he's, he's, he's what Brandon Staley aspires to be. You know, with the gambling, the decision making. Dan Campbell can sell hoodies in Detroit that say biting kneecaps and make a million dollars. <laughs> Dan I Campbell. I don't know what Stefanski could do. Stefanski <laughs> probably could walk through Cleveland. If he shaves, he could probably walk through Cleveland unharmed, like yeah. unbothered. Honestly, I don't know who I would recognize first between Stefanski and Mike and Trout. Mike Trout. I, I would knew probably, it, I would probably it would probably be Mike Trout just because he's a no giant. beard, no you beard. Know? No beard right now. Stefanski shaved his beard right now, and Campbell shaved his beard. You still will recognize Campbell just because he has. Yeah, that I, look. I think that I he think has that, that bouncer look. Campbell is a man's man. You know, Campbell is yeah. like he's the epitome of that old school, fun. That old school NFL coach that people love, like the Bill Cowher type dude, the Mike Dicka kind of guy. He looks like the dude that collects World War II tank 
memorabilia and like builds it in his garage. Stefanski does, like I said, I think that's I think that's probably the knock with Stefanski. I think he's like a no nonsense business analytical guy, goes well, about his business, which well, probably wonder, helps him be successful. Well, I think well, he might be a very very good coach, similar to like Kevin O'Connell up in Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. But it's just well, like you, you don't have the personality. How much do you think name matters? So like like we were talking about awards. Well, yeah, like we were talking about Jalen Carter, how I was saying that I thought they would give him the award, but you didn't agree with that. Like, uh, like when it comes to the head coaches or just anybody in general, but since we're talking about head coaches, Stefanski is obviously the least known. Nothing, nothing that Stefanski did or does makes you want to root for him. You want to root for the rookie head coach, especially. That let's give it a bean. The black rookie head coach with the black rookie quarterback. You want to root for him, and he came from a good organization, a good tree with the Shanahan tree. I think Shanahan is. I think Stefanski's out of the. It's not the Andy Reid tree. I try. He's he's out of one of those those nepotism trees that are out there. But, <laughs> the nepotism trees. But Baker Mayfield. <laughs> a bigger personality than Stefanski. Whereas, if you think about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, right, he might be bigger, but Russell he Wilson's did a lot of personality is uh, Russell Wilson's personality is, as far as on television, is as compelling as Sean Payton. So, if I get a sound clip. From Sean Payton at the post game press conference at the podium, I know I can go to Russell Wilson at his locker and get a statement that we can now can talk about on this show with the split screens and everything else. I don't think Stefanski ever gave you anything no. as as you know the antithesis of Baker Mayfield. Baker would give you all this personality and energy, like hey, you know we gotta do this, blah, 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 blah. all this really just swag and a swat of it, whatever case may be. And Stefanski would come out with some Bill Belichick, like, you know, we just got to make sure we execute better. You know, next week we got a Cincinnati. It's going to be a tough game with Joe Burrow, number nine. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, like, that would be it. And he would just walk out. And it's well, like, you know, you, you're not, you're not going to get anything forget. out of him. Well, people forget. Remember, we were talking about Baltimore and San Francisco on Christmas. Um, And going into that game, San Francisco was favored by five. It was a big deal. You know, if Baltimore had lost that game, Cleveland would have won the division. So like it was like that close. So I, you know, I think with that and Stefanski probably wouldn't have come out and said anything other than like jaw dropping or even like catching <laughs> in the media because, like I said, his 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 situation. If you voted for D'Amico Ryan's one and him two, yeah, I can't. I wouldn't be like, oh, what are you thinking? But Dan Campbell over Stefanski? No, you're just you're just banking. You're voting for Dan Campbell because Detroit is perennially unsuccessful right. versus the fact that Stefanski's the format of Stefanski's year is normally an unsuccessful season. If you mm-hmm. think about look at uh the Chargers when Hurt when Herbert went down, look at Cincinnati. Jake Brown had a good little run. That didn't work out. Look at Atlanta with the guy that they thought there. wasn't gonna be the guy. Um, look at the commanders when they thought they had a guy. Look at Philly when the injury reports started saying how hurt Jalen Hurts was. You know, so when your quarterback is kind of like falling apart, 
Look at Minnesota when they were getting dudes from BYU and Josh Dobbs didn't know the offensive linemen's names and they were explaining the plays in the huddle to him. Like he couldn't even audible because they can only explain one play to him. Stefanski had all that and still won 11 games. So, so like, all right. So just to recap, uh, we both think Lamar Jackson's going to get the MVP. Yeah, his his but, betting odds were like negative twenty thousand, which means you, you got Josh bet Allen. Thousand to win hundred. You got Josh Allen. I got Christian McCaffrey. Um, for Opoy, yeah. uh, we, we <coughs> agree that it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. But yeah. I went I went Josh Allen, and you went McCaffrey for that one. McCaffrey, correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, offensive the rookie of the year. Award. Yeah, offensive rookie of the year. We both agreed that it was C.J. Stroud. Both correct. both ways. Um, defensive player of the year, you got Miles Garrett. I got TJ Watt. Um, uh, you think the media is gonna give it to Watt? I think the media is gonna give it to Garrett. Um, uh, and then defensive rookie of the year, I thought the media is gonna give it to Jalen Carter. I got Kobe Turner. You think they're gonna give it to Will Anderson? And then Will you got Anderson. Will Anderson? I, I got Will Anderson, yeah, both yeah. ways. And then I think the story, I think the story between the all three fast with the three, yeah, granted. Eliminate special teams, but if you throw the coach and the coaching staff, the special teams at three facets. You got coach, D'Amico Ryan's quarterback, rookie of the year, CJ Stroud, defensive player of the year. I think it's going to be a clean sweep. It's going to be a great story. They're going to be the new team out of the They're going to be the 2001 76ers. They're going to be the team that you root for next year. Yeah. And then uh, for coaches, we both got Kevin Stefanski. We both think that D'Amico Ryan's is going to get it. Yeah. All right. So putting a bow on that, let's play a little, let's go around the association. Mr. Logical, did you What's know popping? that the New York Knicks are 15 and 2 since the new year started? And they're 12 and 2 in the games that OG Adanobi plays in. Are the Knicks a contender or no? I wish the NBA playoffs were best out of three. We're hot teams. And yeah. just overwhelm you well, on Tuesday and Thursday and go on to the next round. The problem is they're all best out of seven. And it just becomes a little prevalent where you know after a couple of games that Julius Randle might not swing that pass to the corner. He's going to put it on the floor. You make your adjustments. Now you're winning games. 104 to 101 versus losing them quickly over the course of a three-day span because you're not sure exactly what they're going to do. So that's that's the problem with these these mid-season runs is that you're playing you'll play Minnesota on Tuesday, you'll play Chicago on Wednesday, you get a rest day, you're flying out to Memphis, you play them. You get a couple of days off, and then Sunday night you're playing against, you know, the Clippers are in Madison Square Garden. So you're playing four different teams. They don't study you back to back to back to back. They don't study your tendencies. So in a 10, 12, 15 game stretch, you're nine and six, you know, 13 and two, whatever the case may be. And then you get this hope. But that's that's the problem with the teams like the Knicks. Because we talked about, remember that. That run, I think Houston won like 20-something games in a row with McGrady. Didn't make it out of the first round. Staple of T-Mac's career. 
that's and that's the thing is because you gotta you gotta win in order to be a contender, you gotta be able to compete and win four NBA playoff rounds. You know, he's always such a tough topic too because he did perform in the playoffs. Like, you know, like it's not like he got to the playoffs and was shooting 30% or something like that. Like his teams just didn't win. It's just odd. Yeah, sometimes you just got to, even when you're the guy that can drop 34, maybe you get two more guys involved that both get you eight. And you take 26. Yeah. So now instead of you, your final score being 104 because you dropped 34, you dropped six less, but you gave these other guys 16. Now you won 14. You win you win the game 114, 109 versus losing 109, 104. You know, that that kind of thing. And that's what I think that's what happens in the playoffs. Good, good, smart coaches figure out who can't do what, who can't do this, who can't guard. Whose temperament is not right? Who can't play on the road? Um, so that's that's why, like, when a lot of these these midseason trades, and when you have a team that you thought was going to be a contender starting out the year, and they're like, "Oh, they should make a move, make a move, make a move." It's like if you don't have that guy in place that can carry whoever ends up on the team, mm-hmm. that's a lot. The trade deadline runs through what? It's next week. Next week, then you got the All Star game. So you got guys taking a bunch of time off, you know, maybe eight to nine days off from basketball. So you get a guy that gets traded to a team, and if he's if he's a guy's traded to OKC, SGA is going to be in the All Star game. They don't get the link, they don't get the build, and now you come right out of that, and now you're playing games. You know, you get a guy that you know Toronto's they're emptying their their bench trying to get rid of all their contracts, making those kind of moves. You got team like Utah. Uh, I didn't look at the score tonight, but they came uh, they into the down four, uh, originally tanking. But maybe they feel like you know what? Maybe we can make a move because we can get the seven in the out west and see what we could do. Well, maybe why not? Tank. I mean, you got the Warriors sitting out there at twenty and twenty four right now. You, you know, got the Lakers, you got the Lakers under five hundred. You know, yeah. so and then if you're out east, you got Embiid with the meniscus. And yeah, that was gonna I was gonna bring that up. You know, he's out with the meniscus. Uh they said he's gonna rest it up this weekend, but he's just gonna deal with it the rest of the season. Uh Philly got fined 75, you know, because so from what I heard, it sounded like during shoot around, the trainers or whoever was watching him and was like, yo, he just don't look right, like something's off. I heard a report from uh like shout out to Kendrick Perkins. He, par- like paraphrasing, I think Brian Winhurst or Ramona Shelburne that said that before the injury, Embiid couldn't jump without pain. Mm-hmm. So then he gets injured in the game. And I saw two times when he fell. It's it's tough, man. Like, it's just, he I can't imagine. Especially to be as big as he is. I saw, but I, I saw something preseason. Uh, I think it was preseason the game. He flops Chet a lot. Holmgren, Chet Holmgren. There's like there's guys or like trainers out there that are teaching these guys how to fall because they're so big. Instead of them trying to keep themselves up and potentially hurting their feet, that they just tell them just to fall. Yeah. 
and don't. Well, you know, we talked about that last year. Like, that's the strangest thing I've ever heard. Well, we, I, you know, I rarely fall on the basketball court. Granted, I'm five nine at best on a good day, five ten in whatever basketball shoes I'm wearing. So I'm not moving nearly as fast. I rarely fall, but. And B, it was a lot like we were like talking about that in the playoffs, and I was texting like, "Yo, this dude's on the floor." Yeah, that's what I was about people to say. Up the Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, he just was constantly on the floor. Like, it's not even calling for fouls. It's just that when the guys are that big, I think there's trainers telling them, "Don't try to stop all of this weight and momentum with your feet. Just follow the floor, slide on your butt." Yeah, Philly's up eighty-two to eighty-one with four thirty left. In the, in, fourth, the third, in the third quarter. In the third, okay. Okay, it's a low-scoring game, but yeah, I'm trying to pull this up real quick so I can see what Maxi got now because he had 32 at halftime. He's got 36 right now, but um, yeah. So you know, so in addition to that, whew, the defending Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat, losers of seven of their last eight. They did win last night. But something stood out to me as I was digging through the numbers. So when Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero all start together, they're 6-11. and 11. Um, They picked up Terry Rozier, you know, last week. I liked it. You know, I thought it was a good move. You know, I would have probably rather had got Levine or somebody like that, but he can't stay healthy anyway. So I like the Rozier pickup. But in five games with Miami shooting 32%, you know, um, Miami does this every year. They do this dangerous thing where they teeter, they get to the play-in or somewhere near the play-in, and then they just go upset somebody. I don't know if that's the way to build championship runs every year. I mean, it works for them. <laughs> it ain't gonna work this year. <laughs> it, but I think it works for them because I think the players that they, I think the players that they have fit what they want to do. I, I I feel like we talk about Adrian Griffin getting fired. Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. They had a they had a room full of players, but they had a coach that they they couldn't marry the the construct of what they wanted to get done. I think Miami fully believes in what they could do. It's like like the Chiefs right now in the NFL. Like I said, I picked against them three weeks in a row. But they knew, like, yo, all we got to do is this. And then when they got that 17-7 lead on Baltimore, they're like, oh, I don't need to throw this post route. We're just going to play field position. Right. Miami's like, we don't need to shoot 45 threes this game. I'm going to just run this team off the line because they only want to shoot threes. So now when I make them run off the line with seven seconds left in the shot clock and we play this defense and then we get guys like Rogier, like that movie put on Durant the other night, it was it was different. Like Durant's a tough defender, but he put like a little that little penny back spin move tween tween or whatever shot at the fillet. And he was he made a little shoulder move and turned back around. Durant was guarding him at the free throw line. He did a shoulder move. Durant's under the hoop. Terry Rozier <laughs> at the, at the three for, free throw line shooting a jump shot. Like, it was yeah. that potent of a move to get. He got, like, 10 feet of space off that move. Yeah. I, I like the so, pick, but I, I don't know what he really adds because he's around Tyler Hero's size. So so you got, you know, Rozier, Hero. Scary. Robinson. 
Oh, that's what it is. Theory. That's <laughs> sometimes that's all you need. You you need. Uh, we talk about Pat Bev a lot. You know, shout out to Pat Bev. He has a successful podcast. I like him and I like him and the chemistry of the guy he has. But we talk about Pat Bev averaging thirty-seven points in high school, but in the league, he's just a dog and he's a scrapper. Imagine being able to take a guy who plays that tough of defense, but also can score. And he right. said, "Listen, I want to score." But this is what the league wants me to do. I think Rogier is one of those guys. It's like he just was wasting away in Charlotte. And then, like I said, I texted you earlier. Monday, when we did our pod, we did the podcast we were recording, I had these highlights playing in the back. When the game went off, we were trying to figure out some other stuff with the pod. We were just having a conversation. I looked over. It was Kobe highlights from his championship runs. So I'm sat here, you know what? I'm just chilling. I watch him play out. I go take a shower. TV still going, come back, get ready to go to sleep. It's Clay Thompson highlights. So Clay Thompson, like when he was scoring like 60 points on like five dribbles on his little, little different little analytical things. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond are on Golden State. Zach Levine was on Chicago. And I was like, he's been in Chicago that long. And every year he's been on the trading block. And every year nothing happens. It's very similar to what was going with Terry Rozier. It's like he signed mm-hmm. that contract to get the to Charlotte. Well, he got the Charlotte signed that contract under Jordan. And it was like this dude's just wasting away here. I think getting that new life, that new lease on life down in Miami. Most professional athletes for some reason love Miami. I hear great things about it. Oh, I love so, it. So it just might be a situation where, like, just getting the guy in a different place, and then getting him with Spo because you're not gonna be the you're not gonna be the guy that comes into that kind of a culture and lacks, mm-hmm. because it'll be obvious, it'll stand out, and even people who don't know much about the Miami Heat will be like, Terry Rozier isn't really embodying what you know this this Heat culture. We don't even mm-hmm. know what it really is. People just know those two words. So it looks like the Rockets are. Looking for a trade to trade away Jalen Green, you know. So number two pick in the draft gone awry, I guess. Uh, word on the street is they want Mikael Bridges, you know, um, and are willing to give oh, up. Brooklyn, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that either. Um, I would like, like, if I was obviously, I think Mikael Bridges in Houston would be. I th- I think that would lift them somewhat, but. No, I don't like it either. Uh, we still got Minnesota and OKC duking it out for the top seeds in the West. Um, thoughts on what are your thoughts on Doc Rivers saving the day in Milwaukee? Uh, I don't think there's any evidence to support that Doc Rivers is gonna save the day in Milwaukee. I think what Doc Rivers might be able to do is just to be. I'm trying to get the right words. I don't know if they need saving in Milwaukee as much as they need stability and sanity. Because if they felt like this guy was driving them crazy 43 games in or whatever scandal that, you know, hasn't really come to the light, because something's coming with that, because you're not going to keep paying a guy all his money because he lost a locker room in, in four months. Uh, I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. I think he'll be able to 
kind of showcase that he's a good coach because he has pretty good, you know, cast of bandits to, you know, mm-hmm. enact his, you know, his, 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 his philosophy as a good coach. And I think they'll make a good run. I think he'll, he'll probably have a better run in Milwaukee than he had in Philly. And I think even with that, Milwaukee's run this year will be, you know, lengthier than Philly's run. So even potentially with James Harden in LA, it'll be like some of a, a vindication kind of circuit where it's like, see, wasn't me, but he'll have Dame Lillard and Giannis to be the people that, you know, help vindicate and validate his coach in the capability. I don't know if they can say, I don't know if they can survive with that backcourt, you know, like, so I was thinking about this earlier. So let's just say they were to match up with like Cleveland in the playoffs. Obviously they should beat Cleveland because of the experience. They got the better players, you know, all that stuff, but you got, Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley trying to guard Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Like that's where your Drew Holiday hurts not having him hurts you. So when I look at but but that's but that's where a guy like Doc can give you something team defense-wise to where these role players will step up where a guy like James Harden didn't. And I wonder like like Chris Middleton, as we knew him, is gone. Correct. You know what I mean? So I don't know unless people think, and I mean, it's possible, unless people think Giannis and Dame are enough. So when I look at Milwaukee matching up against, say, Boston, and I know we just saw Milwaukee demolition all over Boston a couple of weeks ago. You know, yeah, you, have, uh, you have a game. Yeah, over the course of a series, like, who stops uh, Tatum and Brown and then you still got to worry about Porzingis? Like, the only thing that will be Boston's downfall, I think, is if they just can't hit their three. Head coach. Yeah, they they, they average, like, they average 42 and a half threes per game attempted. You didn't know how many good shots they would get if they just pump faked on 18 of those threes. I know it. I know it. They think they just the simply brother. if you pump fake on a closeout and you take two dribbles when you're six eight, now you're at 16 feet. The next closeout comes, you move the ball, move the ball, move the ball, and maybe get a better open three. Or you just take the 16 footer. I've been waiting two years. This three for two, this three for two thing, three for two, three for two. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if your whole goddamn squad is shooting 29% from three. But that just means being an old man, get off my lawn. I've been waiting for Jason Tatum for the last two years. I think he is, which I think he is. I think he is too, but he just needs to be it more often. He just needs to be it more often. It might, yo, I think this season might be long. It just might be too long. And it's like, you're going to get 27, 26, 27. And then in that second round matchup against Philly, you'll get 37. I mean, this could be their last year as 
a contender in that way, just off of the fact that Tatum's going to get paid. He's going to get Jalen Brown money. Well, that too. I mean, I'm fine with that, but I'm just saying, I'm talking about like the legs though. Are those you guys, know, those like, guys are young. We're old. Yeah, they're young, but like they're not young, like for real. Like so, so like LeBron, right? Is the the anomaly? The anomaly. I can't expect that everybody's gonna be like him, where these guys got all these because they remember they were making the Eastern Conference Finals back when Kyrie was still in Cleveland. Yeah, they they that was. Oh, like oh I'm sorry, it was the year after when he joined them. Yeah, when so he that, was what, that was what 2018? So the twenty eighteen. The twenty eighteen Bron. So they've been six seven years. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot that's of what I'm saying. That I think that takes a toll at some point. Well, not when you don't have to work from June October. I mean, did again if you're just standing around. You just work out. If you're standing around shooting threes, being young and athletic, and you know having a a chef but maybe, and a but maybe chef the defense, but maybe the food. defense starts to suffer at some point. You know, so the, the offense coach, might be fine. It's all about if the coach can make adjustments. If the coach can. can make adjustments in the postseason, if he can just look at the film from the last last year, even Emay, take what Emay was doing that was working. Just Steph Curry just had a, a lights out game. What was it? Game was that game five, four, five? Four, five? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, because they because the what's the Bulls name? They won in six. Go say yeah. one and six, right? Yeah, so it was game four then. Game four, because they were down two one. So he had the forty plus points. Like other than that, they played a pretty good series against Golden State. This experience kind of overwhelmed them. What he was doing last year was inefficient. So if he just looks at that and just doesn't make those same mistakes, like if you have a sixteen point lead and other team goes on a run and it gets cut to seven, just call a timeout. Yeah. And- just call a timeout. Get the crowd out of it. Or if you're at home, call a timeout, settle down, drop a good play to get a layup or a dunk, get the team back into it. Now you're back up nine, your team's into it, your audience is into it. Now, nah, don't let it run down to when you're down three, when you're up 15 and four and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, Start so you... I'm so no you genius, a, I just look like one. So you had an interesting question that I wanted to talk about. Let's hear it. So, Well, no, you asked the question. It's your question. I forgot what because I've asked so many interesting questions. Oh, come on. Okay. Okay. I just so, forgot which one it was. Well, the question was Will there be a 100 point okay, yeah, that individual be- game, Wilt Chamberlain style, or will a team get the 200 first? So since you brought it up, Broke I'll give you topic. the honors of answering it first. Uh, I didn't generate this question. It was something I saw Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce doing their podcast, their podcast together. I love the chemistry. Kevin Garnett cusses his friends out a lot, which I think is hilarious. Uh, so he walked into their studio, like behind the scenes of their setting up. And this was after Embiid has scored 70. So the night that Embiid scored 70, Cat dropped 62. KG was like, man, this dude had 70 points in 37 minutes. He's like, that's crazy. He's like, and then he's like, yo, he was like, yo, P, you think we'll have, what do you think will happen first? A 200-point game or a 100-point score? Now. That's a tough point. It's tough. It's tough. 
but the only thing that doesn't the the 200 point game for me just seems likely because you can just keep playing overtimes and then fresh bodies will get points whereas even in multiple overtimes a guy getting 100 but the fact that we saw like off the top of my head that I can think of Luca just dropped 73 Mm-hmm. And B seventy. Uh, Cat was sixty two. After Cat scored sixty, I believe he probably had seven or eight more shots. Some of them were bad shots, but if he could have gotten some good shots, and the coach was taking them out, like offense, defense subs too, in like the last few minutes. But if they could have just, you know, they say they feed a guy when he gets hot. Right. Um, like I said, this the the clay highlights where he dropped 60. Devin Booker was 70. Dame had 70. Well, Cat uh, also had Anthony Edwards sabotaging him too. Yo, he was Anthony Edwards out there playing like he had 62 points <laughs> in that fourth quarter. It didn't even look it didn't even I know someone <laughs> I, was, I was watching some podcast and they said it looked like they were feeding him. And we were recording, I was watching, I was like, <clears throat> I was thinking my myself is like why aren't they working <clears throat> to get him open looks the way that Steph was working to get Clay Thompson open looks and his that 37 right. point quarter he had in a couple of 60 point games where he's like 60 points and 11 dribbles and you know little things like that James Harden with a 60 point triple double <clears throat> obviously Kobe with the 81 so I'm looking at regulation Right, because we had the 176 175 game, I think it was Sacramento, LA last year, but that was Uh like triple overtime, maybe quadruple Uh, overtime. Yeah, triple. Uh, no, it was double overtime. Okay, double overtime. Yeah, so I'm gonna say the 100 point score based off the fact that. Cat had 44 at halftime. So that gives him an additional 24 minutes. Granted, 56 is a lot, but he wasn't perfect from the floor right, in the first right. half. So <coughs> see, I think that's Kobe the scored 55 in the second half mm-hmm. to get his 81. Right. So 26 and he also half. scored. And he scored 60-plus against Dallas, Kobe being the he I'm talking about, and sacked the fourth quarter. I'm looking up something right now because there's something I wanted to say. <laughs> um, because I, I thought I was going to say the 100-point game. Okay. You know, because mostly because of – all the three-point shooting that's going on, you know? So, like, what I thought about, though, is that if somebody would do if somebody would do the 200-point game, it would have probably been the Warriors, you know, with the threes. Like, the like Warriors Steph and Clay. They shoot it that well, though. They just they, shoot it. They just part, shoot a they lot shot, overwhelming. They shot it. It was part of their offense to right, shoot. Right, right. But I'm trying to find uh, – Trying to find this real quick, but yeah, so so I was thinking about the Warriors because I was like between Clay and Steph, you know what I mean? Like they're both have games where they've hit 12 threes or so, 
You know, right. so 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 theoretically, if both of them hit 12 threes, that's 72 points right there. You know what I mean? So like you're you're kind of there, but this is what I want to hear it is. I found it now. So when Embiid had his 70 points, he went 24 of 20 or of, of 41. But the part that I wanted to focus on was he only took two threes, you know what I'm saying? Because he's a big man, but he, he had, had about 20. how many he only, free throws? Twenty. He had twenty three, and he hit twenty one of them. And it just so happens that he is a big man that can't shoot free throws. Free throws, right? Which is not normally a thing. So it would have to be somebody like him, you know, maybe Anthony Davis. But I don't think Anthony Davis has the drive to do something like that. Anthony um, Davis would have if so. Anthony Davis would have to give you. Nah, because I don't know. I can't see Anthony Davis giving you six or seven threes. You know, Cat, uh, when he had his 62, he took 15 threes and hit 10, but he only went to the free throw like, line. Yeah, but he was like eight for his first nine in the first half. And, and he went to the free throw line 14 times and hit 10. But this is what changed my mind. About the 200-point game yeah. being a possibility? or the Yeah. Yeah. And it's not the Kings and Clippers that you brought up. The year was 1983. Young 2-5, young Mr. Logical were two-year-olds. True. And the Detroit Pistons played the Denver Nuggets in a game, went to triple overtime. Pistons won that game 186 to 184. What stood out to me about that game is that well not that game per se but that season Detroit for the season had eight players that didn't even hit a three pointer that season you know what I mean like Crazy. they they play 82 games now on the season that Detroit Pistons team shot 141 threes for the season. Yeah. So they, it was it was basically slightly like 1.7 or something like that. Like not even a full two three-point attempts a game. So I figure if a team can score 186. And not shoot any threes at all. Right. Then I would figure that. Because, I mean, the Kings won that game that you're talking about. They won that game by one point. So they were a point away from going to a triple overtime and probably getting close to 190. So I think that's possible, whereas a player scoring 100, you still most coaches still sub and do all that stuff. Like Dame had 70 and last year. Correct. But, they, but they kept taking him out the game, and he was but like, "But they needed all of that seventy-two. So that's 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 the part. That's as well. the other part because even even the Sixers, they, Devin Booker, when he scored seventy against Boston, they still they lost. lost. Yeah, and, and then Cat sixty-two against Charlotte, they still they lost. lost. And so Embiid, they, you need to be out there. And even with Embiid seventy, they beat the Spurs by ten, and as a team, they scored one thirty-three. So when I go back and look at it, I I'm just think the real quick. I think the amount of shots that it would take 
for one person to get to 100 is going to be the problem. And because I mean, everything has to fall into place. You probably need at least 20 free throws. You know, you probably need somewhere between eight and 10 threes. So that's 50 points right there. You know, 10 threes, 20 free throws. That's 50 points. And then you still need another 50 just that are two-pointers. So what you would need, so if we looked around the league right now, the way you're describing how this would go down, it would have to be Luka. He's young enough. He's big enough. He shoots enough threes. He brings it in the paint. And in a 73-point game, he went 25 of 33, 8 of 13 from 3, 15 for 16 from the three-point line. So it said most efficient 70-point game in NBA history. Yeah. So you would need... But he played 45 minutes. See what I'm saying? And he, he only won and they won by five. He would have needed overtime to get to Kobe. And they only and they only won by five points. Kobe did it in regulation. Yeah, yeah, Kobe did it. So Kobe Bryant had the 67 points. Yeah, but he yeah, had so, 62 and three quarters against Dallas. Yeah, so you would need a guy like the guy that has the ball in his hand a lot, because Clay at the sixty points in off the eleven dribbles is that he hit twelve threes. Who I could have saw doing it was Harden if he just got hot from three one night back when he was in Houston. I could have saw Houston Harden doing it. A hundred. I, I know I because he had like six point triple doubles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, even Luca was pretty close to a triple double. Like Westbrook doesn't shoot well enough to do it, but like he shoots enough to do it. He just doesn't he, hit. He shoots a lot. Uh, you would have thought Iris wouldn't have been in a position to do it, but in the same sense, you need a guy that could take a few, a guy that could just take it to the cup and just get knocked Mello? down. Sometimes. Mello didn't shoot a lot of threes. So Mello would have to shoot basically 29 or 31 to 40 and get fouled in a lot of and ones. But even then, in right. a lot of twos, he doesn't shoot a lot of threes. So, so how about this? Give me a player that you think has the best shot to do it. Best shot to drop a hundred this day and age. want to say Ant, but he doesn't shoot the three well enough. Luca, but I don't know if the energy is there because he's a big body. And then eventually, if he gets to if he gets to 50 points again, if I'm the opposing coach, I'm like, man, put him in pick and roll. Like make him exhaust himself because if he's seeing if he's if the rim looks like the fucking side of the ocean, <laughs> I think he's gonna keep shooting. So like we gotta do something. Uh I think Kyrie. Because I think Kyrie goes out in the trenches a lot. Um, 
and he can get his own. He can get his create his own bucket. I just don't know if he could do it with Luca on the floor, though. If that depends on how it starts out, he he comes out nineteen it, points in the first quarter, and it's like he's seven for nine with some free throws, and it's like okay, this might be his night. And then he come out in the second quarter and he gets you twenty to twenty four points, something like that. So he he someone would have to go into the locker room with nearly forty points. On I think Chet got to do it. Percent. I think Chet got to do it. Too small, he'll exhaust himself defensively. He just he Cause, he cause just Wimby doesn't shoot well enough right now to do it. I think it it have to be a it would have to be pause a meaty guy like a guy who could take pause take a pounding in order to do it because these are, you'll get tired you'll get tired shooting jump shots. <laughs> I said pause. <laughs> I think Chet. Like I said, if Chet's playing, I mean, I'm not saying this year. Playing, no, just, just in general, saying, just yeah. in general, like they're playing the Lakers this year, next year, AD and Chet's guarding AD. Yeah, he could probably cook AD just off the yeah, the the youth and athleticism and and the I shot range. Could do it. Like he doesn't shoot well enough from three, but he can. Like he, you know, he... Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is probably the prime guy because whoever he Kevin might, guards he might be too old now. Not really. I don't think so because whoever Kevin guards is going to be exhausted from guarding him. And you don't put your you rarely put your best score on KD. Whereas these big men, Embiid, Jokic, Chet, Wimby, AD, uh, what's the boy Ooh. name of Portland? Aiden. Ooh. You, you know, know what that was? You know what that sound was? That was the NBA's wet dream. What we got? The Lakers and Knicks tomorrow night on ESPN. Oh, yeah. I have a, I have a friend going to that game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a wet dream right Martin. there. But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, I don't know. So, like, that, that's the thing. So, like, I think of all the guys, Luca, because I think he can – I think he can withstand – the, the 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 physicality on the defensive end while maintaining his offensive scoring. And I think KD is just – KD is such a great mid-range shooter, great free-throw shooter, and he's such a threat with the ball in his hand with not a lot of dribbles. I think KD can get you 28 points in 17 – like, you know, four, 12 shots, 12, 13 shots – early in the game. So if he, if he's on and like the goal is to like, yeah, let's 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 exploit this matchup uh because they keep, you know, Utah and Phoenix, they keep switching Sexton on a KD for whatever reason. Let's exploit it and he's getting elbow jump shots, he's getting, you know, he's getting and ones off jump shots, things like that where it's like it's not a lot of contact, but I'm getting three points anyway. So I so I think KD KD or Luka um, I would say young LeBron, maybe, but he has such a propensity to just to pass and get everybody if involved. If Giannis could shoot, it. it would be him. Yeah, because he's that yeah, you can't you can't beat him up defensively. Right, you can't stop him. But he just can't shoot. So he would have to <laughs> surprise you with some eleven for eighteen from three kind of game. But he, yeah, right. the likelihood of that happen. I don't know if he does that in warmups. You ready for this? Let's hear it. I got something for you. So usually when we close out the show, sometimes we have this thing, we call it closing thoughts. 
That's so generic and everything. Since we're going to be talking about football, I wanted to call it something else. So what say you, Mr. Logical? (laughs) Uh, I heard something the other day that I thought was kind of interesting. I've read something today and and kind of it was like a bridge from what I heard the other day. Um, Marlon Humphrey posted on Twitter about Bill Belichick not getting one of the all-season head coaching positions, so the whole greatest coach ever should be put to rest. But I heard we talking some, to Dallas Mike. I heard something. You know, I think it was. It might have been first things. It might have been Cal Hurd and Nick Wright. But what they said was like, if you think about this season, this all-season, the only real job that enticed a coach that wasn't planning on leaving their current position and joining them was the LA Chargers job because of Justin Herbert. Next year, potentially, if the seasons fall flat, I know we haven't even got to the Super Bowl yet, but the seasons fall flat for some <laughs> of these other teams. Dallas, you're still rocking with Dak, 29, 30 years old. He'll be under contract because it's probably going to give him an extension. <clears throat> If Philly falters, you still got Jalen Hurts. That's Buffalo. probably a good job. Buffalo, that's going to be a good job. Jacksonville could be a good job. You have the quarterback in place. And what was the other one? It was a fifth one. It wasn't Cincinnati. But Cincinnati could be a surprise. You think about that. That could be one of those like, oh, I, I didn't see that happening. And then. wasn't It wouldn't have been Miami. Too early for that. Miami. Yes, too, too early. early. And I don't think people. I don't think people jumped out the window. To be well, what about Kansas good. City if Andy Reid retires? I think they're going to go in the house. I don't know if you. Bring, I don't. I don't know. Like Matt Nag. That's Matt Jack. Matt Nagy's job. He's coaching Wade. Um. <coughs> I don't know. Denver. Don't know. No, it wasn't Denver. It was. Oh, Chicago. That's what it was. If okay. Chicago, the expectation of Chicago drafts Caleb Williams. Right. So next year you could have Caleb Williams, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and like I'll throw in Joe Burrow based off the fact that Cincinnati has high expectations since they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Right. <clears throat> I can see that. Like, like that's the that's the the coaching pool you want to be in. This year, if you didn't get the the Chargers. You're rolling right into questionable decision making and quarterback. See, this this is what pisses me off. Get it off my chest. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I guess I'm just naive because I thought I think of coaches as teachers and builders. True. You know what I mean. So like. You know, we criticize players for wanting to take the easy way out and joining a super team or doing these type of things like that. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like as a coach, there's some jobs you probably shouldn't touch. Like, if I was a coach, I probably wouldn't touch Washington. You know, but if I'm like, why couldn't Seattle be a good job? 
Like even well, though they don't have Justin how Herbert, much, obviously, that, but that depends on how much of your cap is tied into a quarterback that you don't think can carry you. I think that's the element to it because I don't think I don't think Atlanta's a bad job. No, they got the talent. You just need a quarterback. Yeah, you just need a quarterback. But if I'm sixty year old, you know Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh. Do I have until I'm 62 to figure out if I got the right quarterback down here? Or do I just go with the one that's kind of already set up? Extensions already signed. I mean, I guess you just. It's a great location. You take the job and say, draft me a quarterback. Well, if I'm not one through four, realistically, you got Chicago one. Washington New, two, Washington two, New England, New England three, three, and Arizona four, I believe. Arizona four. You got two quarterbacks. If there's six quarterbacks available in this draft that people really love, the likelihood of all six of them being really, really good, unlikely. So you're more likely looking at one great one, one good one, four journeymen. So why would I go to Washington and have to figure out do I think do I let this guy Sam Howell throw it around for another year based off the couple of games I have from the 2022-23 season and then the well, you might not have to 20... bring Chip Kelly in there, right? I mean, we <laughs> saw what Chip Kelly did with the dynamic of his team and how he destroyed the locker room and called all his players <laughs> gang members. Well, so he, wouldn't I think be be the, he wouldn't be the head coach this time. But either way, like he's still going to talk. And sometimes I think <laughs> it, might not be a, it might not be a great thing to have a personality that big in your room. I know you're going to bring in Chip Kelly after you just got rid of Jack Del Rio, right? You get rid of Jack Del Rio. You got Eric Bannemi in the wings and just in the hallways. And that that's going to be the conversation of you bring in Chip Kelly – and the offense doesn't look any better than it does with B. Yeah, so here we are, right? The Our whole year to be like, you better off just keeping B. Enemy. Like, why'd you bring in Chip Kelly, a guy who already destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles core? And then you got Shady McCoy talking about it all week. You'll have Deshaun Jackson on podcast. You'll have, you know, here we so. are, though, like a year, our year anniversary. And here we are talking about Eric B. Enemy without a job again. Like I said, man, because I, I, I post on those groups, you got a guy got 15 tender dates. He ain't got laid yet. It ain't the dates. I wonder. <laughs> he might be a little on him. I wonder. He might not be a leader. He might not, he might not be. Well, I think he might be person. a leader, but I think that might be the problem is that his style of leadership may be outdated. You know, so. You know, I, mean, like, I heard Nick Saban cussing them boys out down in Alabama. I know Bill. Yeah, Bell but Nick Saban is also like a six-time national champion. He got three years. Too. I think. I you, think. I don't think it's the style. I think it might just be the efficiency. No, I think that. I think that he might you, not be good. It might you be. Always, might be he, false. I mean, he could. He could not be. But, but I know you always well, talk well, about Coach You know, we have like we we've had multiple commanders throughout our career, and. You working in a unit for a year and a half under one one commander, you do a change of command, and the year and a half you work with one guy, it's going pretty smooth. People are winning awards. The schedule works, everything else. This other person comes in, and they just want to put their stamp on it. And it's like you can tell off the rip, like, yo, you're doing this wrong. 
I know you want, I know what you want to get done here, but you're not doing it right. And I'm telling you that as another leader. Granted, I'm not in the same position and, and titular as you. Like I'm CUNCO in charge. You're the commander. We both have the leadership responsibility, but I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong. The enemy might be one of those people that just comes in and just does it wrong. Now, I think like you, I remember you was telling me a quote or so that Coach Prime had about how he ain't trying to go to the NFL and coach dudes that make more money than him or whatever. And Correct. part of that is they ain't going to put up with him talking to them the way he talked to everybody else. That's that's not part of it. It might be a situation that's where part of it. If you, you know make if you're making 12 million a year, like okay, you're a, a linebacker, you're making 12 million a year. I got an undrafted free agent out of Fresno State, and he's beating you out in practice. And we're three games into the year. And it's like this dude's out working you, he's making eight hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars a year. You're making 12 million. And he's saying, say, Well, you're only making four million. That's a real conversation. It's like, yeah, he could probably talk to me any kind of way he wants because he's a head coach. And granted, you got to do that tactfully. You got to make sure you, you balance it out. But when it boils down to it, it's like you might not be able to get through to some of these guys if they feel like solely like I don't have to listen to you because I make more money than you. Well, I think that I he was think like, that, even with the NIL deal, some of these guys will be getting that money. Well, I think that B enemy just because, you know, like I always reference the training camp comments about him being harsh and all that kind of stuff like yeah. that so i think like he just hasn't matured might be the right word like as far as it's there was not, a, there it's was not a, even like you don't need flowery language he no no i'm just trying to think no i'm just trying to think of how to because like back when we were you know coming up or whatever a, it was a certain way that you did things but then there was a point Look, where that changed, he was like that wasn't the way to do it anymore no, you know what I mean? So, so I think that he's still you. stuck in that old school way of thinking. But even old school, it's still equated to like, I respect you. Shady McCoy said it. He was like, the way he talks, to, like the way he talks to you. And, but like I said, that, but that's only because that's never been the move, though. That, that, that has been the move. That's what NFL coaches were for their for our whole childhood. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying been. is, but what I'm saying is, is that. The world has changed. the The players have changed. You know, so like, if Earth, it was a bunch, enemy if doesn't it was a bunch, have the if it was a bunch of successful offensive coordinators that weren't getting hired, if it was a bunch of people in his particular position where he was the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator of a team that was going to championship rounds every single year, multiple years back to back to back, if it was a bunch of guys. Like if the Lions defensive and offensive coordinator couldn't get it, get didn't get hired. If the Shanahan didn't get hired in San Francisco, if it was a bunch of guys not getting hired from these high profile positions, then I would give you a little credence to that. But the fact that he's one of the only ones that's not getting hired, it's not the day and age. It's him. What we got? Tyreek Maxey, the first player in NBA history to hit seven threes, seven twos, and seven free throws in a game. What is ESPN doing? <laughs> no, that's TNT. But but no, I think that no, but I, I get what you're saying. But I think that the difference is is that most of these offensive coordinators are the other offensive coordinators 
most of them are young dudes too. You know what I mean? Eric Bieniemy is old. Arthur Smith Eric, is our age. Who? Arthur Smith's got a job. He's our age. Yeah, Arthur Smith's a good old boy. I mean, his dad does own FedEx, so like, yeah, he's a good old boy. You know what I mean? But tripping. but no, but but like when you're thinking about somebody like McVay when he was an offensive coordinator and Slowick, Slowick and. uh yeah. Matt Lafleur. Well, guys, you know, these like guys that. are getting hired younger. And, yeah, and they're looking that. for the high, so so maybe maybe that's a part of it. Maybe Eric Bieniemy. But he's been in the interview for years. He's yeah, I think he's up to like nineteen or twenty time. interviews now. Yeah, you know so, I mean? so so, so it's, like there's said, definitely it's, elements. Raheem Morris, a coach that it's not even like like because oh because he's black they won't hire him. It's gotta be him. It has to somebody has to come out and say, yo. He is he he just doesn't seem smart. He does like when we ask him questions that aren't related to X's and O's, he does not seem like a bright person. Because some people can just know. Like I knew a guy, this guy from Florida, he was a jet engine mechanic. He could work the shit out of a jet engine. But the, he was an idiot when it came to like accounting for tools and accounting for the process post doing the work. He can hear an engine fire up and be like, oh, we got to go change this or we got to change that or we got to, oh, we got to do this, blah, 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 blah. He could do all the stuff in the engine. He could get everything set all up. He wouldn't know how to pull up the TO, how to write it up in the forms, <laughs> how to do anything else other than. I know how to fix this engine. I know how this thing works. I get my hands in here. I can fix it. And then if you stopped him halfway through and asked him what page of the TO he was on, he wouldn't know. He was good. He could get the engine to work. He can get the APU to work. He can fix that the could be something. He but can that's do what all that stuff. For. But when you sit him down in the office and ask him, why were you not on this page of the TO when you were on this step in the, the maintenance process, he would not have an answer. Eric Bieniemy might be one of those guys where he can tell you all about how to beat cover three, but he can't tell you what do you do when a rookie is late? How do you handle a guy that's oversleeping at training camp? How do you handle a guy that seems to sign his contract and get lackadaisical? Maybe he doesn't have that tech that makes the team comfortable. Or maybe he just flat out only knows how to call plays. And that's all that. And that's, and it's like, yo, we need you to be able to do more than that. We need you to be the face. We need you to be articulate. We need you to, 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 to kiss the babies and shake hands and, you know, go to the white house and go to the parades. We need you to do, we need you to go to the corporate fundraisers. We need you to go to do all these other things. <coughs> I mean, so like that's 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 part of it because we're we're having this conversation. At first, it was a race thing. It's a lot of black coaches that got hired. A lot of them are successful. Raheem got a second chance. Todd Bowles got a second chance. Brian Leftwich, he probably I don't say he ruined his shot, but he, he definitely, definitely was in, he was making demands of a team that just hired him. Like oh, you gotta get rid of this guy. They were like, uh, we just brought you here to the building. Like you don't get to make demands. Right. I'm like coming, and then they get Doug Peterson. But I'm pretty sure he'll get a shot. Um, so he just like I know, you know, I don't know how much they hold his pass against him, but I just think that trying to play, just trying to play devil's advocate. Maybe it's just 
it's not in the cards for him to be that's a what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that's where we are. You know, it's over, um, unfortunately. But, you know, I mean, maybe one day we'll hear about it in a book or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody better get on Twitter. Like, that's stuff I want to see on Twitter. I want to hear that in the podcast. I want to hear all this other stuff I've been hearing. Trigger figures, yeah. Yeah, I want someone who's, you know, because he probably interviewed for a Tampa Bay job when it was open. He probably interviewed for the... You know, just I mean, a, hell, he interviewed for the place for he half was at. The league. Yeah, he interviewed for half the league. He interviewed for Washington job. He probably interviewed for, he the interviewed Atlanta, for Atlanta one time. Yeah, a couple of years back, and then they went out and won a Super Bowl. And and but granted, you know, a lot of these jobs are still filled. He, probably, I think, he probably interviewed for the Los Angeles job. Yeah, you know, so there's probably a lot of jobs you interview for. It short of. They just don't like him. It has to be something either on a, on a personal sense or just a view that, you know, I don't know if this guy is New England material or Atlanta material, whatever right. the case may be. So, For sure. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, he is world famous, even killed, New Jerusalem's own, VA bred. You're... Put on your neck, Air Force vet, dedicated Absolutely. father, sports extraordinaire, Mister Logical. <laughs> we in the you building. I am the accountability holding, Ooh. kicking ass and taking names. Ooh, statistical monster. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Unorthodox outside the box. Ooh. I am 2-5. We are Sports Reports, Reports is, ordered. is Ordered. And we love you. We love your grandma. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We might just love everybody. See you on Monday. Peace.